0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to SVN On The Go. I'm Julian Banuelos. And
1: I'm Garrett Weir. Thank you for joining us for this episode of SVN On The Go.
0: Today, we're sitting down with Managing Director of SVN Landmark out of Geneva, Illinois, Neil Johnson, and advisor Joel Miller. Not only is he the Managing Director, but Neil is also the co-chair of SVN's Leasing Council. He's highly experienced in the sales and leasing of office, industrial, and retail properties, as well as vacant land. He works throughout Kane County in the far western suburbs of Chicago. Neil has over 30 years of experience in commercial real estate brokerage, investment, and land development.
1: And we have Joel Miller, an advisor at
0: SBN Landmark,
1: specializing in the sale and leasing of retail and restaurant property in the western suburbs of Chicago. Joel has more than 10 years of experience in real estate brokerage, marketing, market research and client services. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So Neil, how did you come into your current role as MD at SVN Landmark?
2: Actually, I was recruited back in 2004 during the initial national expansion for what was then Sperry Van Ness. I was heading up the commercial division of a small boutique real estate firm here in Geneva. So when I made the switch to SVN, I actually had to create a brokerage office and join a new company.
0: Um, And we know, Neil, that you are the product council chair for our leasing specialists. And Joel, you specialize in tenant representation. So uh, this is a question for both of you guys. How did you get started and what made you choose uh, your specialties?
2: Well, I was actually a developer and commercial property investor and landlord before I became a broker. Uh, My focus is more of a geographic specialist in the far western suburbs of Chicago and has always included both sales and leasing in multiple product types, uh, retail, office, industrial, and land.
3: I first got into uh, real estate uh, actually on the marketing side of the business. Um, I was in marketing. Uh, for real estate firms in general. I worked with boutique residential and commercial firms uh, while I was doing my undergraduate in religious history and in uh, biblical languages. And um, once I graduated and had a fairly useless degree, uh, I looked around and said, this real estate thing is kind of fun and uh, I'm going to get myself a license. And that was about 10 years ago and I've uh, been doing um, real estate brokerage ever since.
1: So most people who aren't in commercial real estate, when they think of a lease, they think of like a residential apartment lease. Um, How are leasing deals different from that and then different from other commercial real estate asset classes?
2: Well, for one thing, leasing commissions are generally based on the combination of size of the space, uh, the rent and the lease term. And... So, naturally, some of them are substantially smaller than commissions um, for sales of the similar properties. However, there are plenty of lease deals that pay well. On the plus side, leasing often gives a broker a chance to do multiple deals in the same property or for the same owner, or in the case of tenant representation, it can mean multiple deals with the same brand. So you really get repeat business. And this has worked well for Joel.
3: Yeah, leasing is uh, great for building relationships um, in you know a fair amount of, of investment sales. Um, you get a deal done and at least with small investors, they're not ready to do another deal for another three to five years. Um, with leasing, a lot of our tenants are ready to go again. They're ready to do the next deal next month or two months down the road um, in the product side of the uh, the business you now you'll have the same property uh, and have a listing on the property for 10 years with structural vacancies in most markets uh, you'll almost always have a vacancy that you're working to fill um, even, if, even if you're incredibly competent and you fill the spaces quickly uh, if it's a sizable project you're going to have new uh, spaces that will be coming available or you'll be looking over the rent roll and saying, which of these deals can we improve as the le- leases roll over? Can we take a $15 rent that we did back in 2009 and turn it into $30 a square foot today? Um, so there's always opportunities to keep doing deals when you're on the leasing side of the business. Uh, always a way to find, uh, uh, or always a path to find your clients some additional uh, income on their properties.
2: And because I do multiple <laughs> product types, um, I'm similarly doing both sales and leasing for retail, office, and industrial. And I guess one difference uh, distinction on the leasing side is you really get granular uh, for any one particular property or product type down to you know where is the door located, um, what is the signage opportunity, that kind of thing, ceiling heights, floor plans, and you're always trying to work out puzzle pieces to find a fit for a particular tenant.
0: Yeah, and you guys talked about a little bit earlier on how the client is different than the sales side being on the leasing and tenant representation side. So what is your typical client like? Who, what kind of people are you looking for? And how do you meet this type of client as opposed to being on the sales side of it? Well,
2: we have a tremendous variety in client profile I have leased everything from one one, one room offices to 26,000 square foot offices. Um, On the sell side, I've sold $100,000 properties and $10 to $12 million properties. Uh, Some of our buyers are established investors, others are uh, smaller owner users. On the tenant side, on the leasing side, some tenants are and PA startup businesses, which is always requires a lot of hand-holding and can be scary. Others for us have been national brands. Because I've been handling real estate in the western suburbs for over 30 years, a very high percentage of my own business is either past clients or referrals. Sometimes from contacts I refer to as influencers, which includes lawyers, lenders, architects, contractors, uh, municipal. Contacts, chambers of commerce, et cetera. I work hard to stay top of mind with all of the local players in the markets that I work. And my business strategy over the years is mostly rooted in networking, both in the local market as well as um, professional organizations, and of course through industry events such as ICSC.
1: So if someone listening in um, is maybe new to commercial real estate um, and they're interested in specializing, in leasing, how would you suggest they get started in their respective markets? Well, developing
2: a leasing practice is really pretty similar to other brokerage business. You need to develop encyclopedic knowledge of your market and get to know all the players. Um, Joel is particularly gifted at that in his retail focus. Everyone in our office has always done both sales and leasing, and this full-service approach really creates opportunities for new sales and leasing assignments. Um, my biggest sale deals have always started out as leasing assignments, and the same thing happens in reverse when sales turn into lease things. If we didn't do both, we would certainly miss out on that uh, crossover business. And in some cases, turn the relationship over to another broker, which to me is, you know, unfortunate. So uh, the payoff is in doing both types of
3: business. And for new brokers getting in into the business who are looking to pick up lease uh, lease business, a really good place to start is with your investment brokers in the office. Um, a fair number of the investment brokers uh, specialize and don't do the leasing side of the business uh, when they. Finish a transaction on the acquisition side. There's frequently uh, space that needs to be filled, and they're more than happy to make the introduction uh, on the you know, to management in order to allow for uh, the junior to go ahead and, and take on a leasing assignment uh, or at least pitch the business.
0: Yeah, Joel, that's a that's a great idea. So for everyone out there, approach all of your investment and in, uh, sorry investment brokers for leasing opportunities and other ventures there. And just kind of switching gears here a little bit, I know we got to spend some time together at the ICSC recon conference. So what kind of follow-up do you suggest after having a week's worth of meetings? How do you prepare for follow-up and how do you get the most out of these CRE conferences?
3: Um, one of the things I did uh, this year, which I've been finding uh, to be incredibly effective on the follow-up side of the business, Um, I live off my calendar, uh, and every meeting I sat down for at the end of the meeting, I scheduled on my calendar a week, two weeks, three weeks out, depending on what the conversation was. I went ahead and I scheduled my follow ups. I said, Oh, you know, good conversation. This isn't something that needs to be addressed in the next two weeks. So, uh, in three weeks, I'm going to drop them a line, book it on my calendar on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. And, um, that way I don't forget uh, a lot of business over the years, I think has been lost as I've left re, uh, real estate conventions because you've been out of the office for two, three, four days a week. You're walking back into a pile of um, we uh, of work that needs to be addressed and a lot of it needs to be addressed quickly and by the time you dig yourself out, you've forgotten all about uh, the, the new relationships you initiated at the convention. By having it on the calendar, I get the reminder, and if I'm buried the morning that I've scheduled it, I can always push it out by uh, by a day, just move it to the next day and deal with it. But by having it on my calendar, I get the alert on my phone, I get it in my email, and I don't forget to follow up.
2: Yeah, the only thing I'd add is there is a payoff in waiting a couple weeks and let everybody that you uh, talk to catch their breath again. And you can't assume even if it felt like a significant meeting to you, that it was also to them. You know, Most everybody's talked to dozens and dozens of people in the course of the event. So you kind of have to reintroduce yourself as well as the, uh, the product you're wanting them to think about. And the other thing to remember is that there's a lot of people from these firms that didn't make the event. And so you can even use that. Sorry, I didn't see you at ICSC and use it as a springboard for a new conversation.
3: Yeah, in terms of preparing, I think one of the important things is to uh, understand what you're looking for out of the event. Uh, If you're looking to build uh, relationships with investors, figure out what your value add is for those investor conversations, reach out to them a couple weeks in advance, Reach out to investors you know are putting money into your market and say, Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about what your strategy is for 2019 or 2020, uh, so that I can bring you the right deals as time goes on. I've got this deal and, you know, this other deal that I think you should take a look at today, but let's figure out how we can work together to get the right deals in front of you down the road. Uh, on the leasing side of things, um, I work, I, I scheduled, I think 15, 16 meetings in advance this year. Um, I had them booked out, and they were a combination of retailers that I know are coming to town uh, that haven't actually put down any roots yet. So we reached out to try and understand what their strategy is gonna be so we can put real estate in front of them uh, that's the right real estate, that doesn't waste their time. We reached out to a lot uh, of folks who are um, somewhere in our deal process. These are people that we're working with, we're doing deals with, and putting a face to the name Sitting down for 10 minutes really helps grease the skids for the, the deal moving forward. I find that that's one of the most effective. Um, some of the, those are some of the most effective meetings I have in, in Las Vegas at ICSC or with people that I'm already working on deals with. And sitting down helps us get that deal across the finish line. One of the meetings that we had last or two weeks ago, we just got a, executed LOIs on yesterday and we're ready to get that deal signed. Uh, we were able to more or less finalize the final deal points uh, at that meeting, give a little bit on this, take a little on that. Uh, but I find that that's a really effective use of time at, uh, at ICSC.
1: Yeah. Wow. Congratulations on that.
0: And those are you know,
1: very good points for any new advisor that's going to attend the Siri conference coming up here.
0: I've actually had the pleasure of visiting your office and seeing kind of how you do things there. I see that you have signs all over the place, all around town. So what do you do when you're interviewing a new potential advisor? And how do you make sure to bring that SVN culture into your personal franchise?
2: Well, nothing too dramatic, I guess. I encourage everyone to listen to the Monday call. Use resources like Build Out network with other SVN offices, even in other states, and take advantage of training events and webinars. Um, The core covenants are a very comfortable fit for my own value system. It's probably one of the single biggest reasons I joined the company. And I think just the way we conduct ourselves every day communicates to each other as well as our clients, that that ethical approach to business is the best way to
1: do business. So Neil, uh, what are some of the strategies you've been using to get your office to perform at such a high level? And uh, Joel, I know you got a pretty big um, exclusive on a franchise restaurant chain. Um, So if you want to talk a little bit about how you landed that, um, that'd be great. But first, I guess, Neil... What are you doing in your office to get everyone to perform at such a high level? Well, my
2: management style, for better or for worse, is really a pretty soft touch. Um, I try to be personally accessible to provide uh, quality resources and, I guess, encouragement. But advisors in our office need to be self-starters and self-motivated to succeed. Um, And Joel is a good example of that. Um, I also try to share business opportunities whenever possible uh, of my own and create a team approach to listings um, whenever that's practical. I think that serves our clients as well as the advisors well.
3: Yeah, so I uh, I started working with the Port of Perry Perry um, when they were a two-unit chain. Um, I met a potential franchisee out at one of my properties that I represented. Um, and didn't know a lot about peri peri i'd been to nando's once and that was about the extent of my understanding Um, i personally love food i eat anything and everything i can get my hands on Uh, and i was intrigued so i went uh, that evening and i checked out one of their original restaurants i happened to meet the franchisor who was just wrapping up the um, acquisition of the business um, he was uh, he, he was purchasing the business from the original founder um, and got to know him in the first 30 days of his ownership of the brand. Uh, spent a fair amount of time just talking about uh, his vision for uh, for growing a halal peri peri restaurant in the United States um, and eventually had the opportunity to do a pilot you know, one off to represent uh, them on their first franchise deal. Um, and eventually was able to secure the relationship for national representation um, across the United States. So far, I've done—see, just finished my 18th deal. I should be at 20 deals with these guys uh, by by the end of June. Um, And I think we've got hopefully another 10 to 12 deals by the end of the year starting to tee up. Um, It's a solid company, excellent food, Nice selection of franchisee operators, uh, sufficient capital lining up to uh, fund their growth, um, and it's really an exciting opportunity. I'm uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. It's uh, the first time I've had an opportunity to start with a group that is this small, to start at the very very ground floor uh, with two locations open and operating. Um, every other time I've worked with a group that's been expanding. We'll do a 10 unit uh, rollout, but they've already got 100 locations or 200 locations across the company. And I'm working with them more on a, a regional rollout um, or for something uh, a little more specialized. Um, it's really exciting to be part of the the growth from the ground up uh, and be able to to see how the, the brand develops and addresses changing markets in different marketplaces as they expand.
2: I think we need to add to that that the SVN platform, which with 200 plus offices nationwide, is a a very important arrow in Joel's quiver for making this happen.
3: Absolutely, I've been working, let's see here, have to tally it up, but I think we've worked so far with six different SVN offices uh, completing transactions and uh, we should be adding a couple more to that. uh, list here shortly. Uh, we're teeing up a Michigan expansion I'm with Dan Stewart earlier today, uh, working to establish a presence for the Detroit, uh, Detroit market. Um, I'm up in Toronto right now, uh, meeting with some potential franchisees, and uh, we'll be looking to establish our brokerage up here as well.
2: And coast to coast, California to New Jersey, Texas to you know the northern tier.
0: It's great to hear that you guys are working with so many of the different SVN offices. So, I mean, it's just a tribute to you guys and I guess to the company on just the great collaboration that, that we share nationwide with all our offices.
3: Incredibly, It's incredibly fun to be able to work with uh, brokers across the country within the firm. Uh, I rarely have to look outside the firm to find a representative in markets that we're looking to uh, to enter. Um, so it's it's an unbelievable resource it's really essential to helping us adequately um and professionally represent clients uh, across the country
1: yeah yeah absolutely and congratulations on that um that's a really you know great accomplishment you know growing with the company i think that's a goal a lot of people shoot for when they're going into commercial real estate so wrapping up here um Neil what is some of the advice you give advisors to keep them on track with their annual goals and to help them succeed?
2: Well I guess my main advice is to work hard, uh, focus on the specific area and product that you've chosen, use the SVN tools and others that we provide Always produce high quality materials. That's a very high value for me, regardless of the size of the deal, because it reflects your professionalism. Uh, Get to know the players in your market and just always be persistent and tenacious. And I guess most most importantly, be uncompromisingly ethical. Uh, That will always
3: pay off in the long run. While I'm not a managing director, uh, the one thing I would add to that uh, for my own practice is fire fire your bad clients. You know, Take a look at who you're spending time with and stop wasting time on folks who aren't gonna do anything. Uh, really focus on providing high quality services to your clients who are um, passionate, who are looking to do some real business um, and don't waste a lot of time with tire kickers. Well said.
1: Yeah, very good. Very good point. All right. Well, Neil and Joel, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And I look forward to talking to you both very soon. Thanks, guys.